Today we begin a new series, and we're going to be looking at the next several weeks, this tension that exists in this world between opportunities to fear and opportunities for faith. And those two things, you know, are not, you know, 100% exclusive one way or the other. It seems like there's this ongoing tension. So how is it that we build our faith and reduce our fear? And so we're going to be looking at that out of one of the New Testament letters called 2 Corinthians, coming out of the life of somebody named the Apostle Paul. And so as we jump into that today, I want to look at some choices that we have right out of the chute that how can I fuel my faith rather than fueling my fear. And part of what we need to understand about all of this is there are things that happen in this world that are just out of our control, right? Things over which, you know, we don't have a say, we didn't make a choice, they just happen. And that could be, you know, in the lives of people around us. It could be you know, when giant snowstorms hit and the timing of all of that. And there are just some things that are outside of our control. But come what may, here's something else that's very true. We always have a choice. There is always a choice that we can make no matter what comes our way. Let me begin with a story and put up a picture of this lady and Her name is Florence Chadwick, and that name doesn't mean a lot in these days, but back in her day in the 40s and 50s, 1940 and 50, she was a world-class athlete and known around the world. This image up there actually comes from the time when she became the first human to swim the English Channel from France to England and then back to France again. First person to do that, 42 miles she swam to make that a reality. She's actually from San Diego. She came home and they gave her a ticker tape parade. She was on TV. She was in movies. She was a well-known world-class athlete. And then, not long after that, she decided to swim from Catalina Island off the coast of California and swim to the California coast. So she gets in the water. That's a mere 22 miles, you know, for her. That's just a hop, skip, and a jump. And so she gets in the water. But on that day, there's a couple things that happen. There are great white sharks in the water. And for a portion of that swim, there are actually people on the boats that are accompanying her. They have guns and are fending off the great white sharks. Now, I don't know about you, I'm out of the water if there's great white sharks in the water. She continues to swim. The other thing that was happening that day, and again, over which she had no control, is that marine layer had settled in. And if you've ever seen that, I mean, it's foggy, it's as thick as pea soup, and you can't tell where you are. And so sharks in the water, fog in front of her, and you know what she did? She gave up, and she said, I need to get in the boat. She was only several hundred yards from the shore. And she told a reporter not long after that, she said, if I could have just seen land, I think I would have made it. And I wonder if that's kind of a picture, maybe a little bit of our day, that in this cultural moment, there's just a lot of fear. And it can feel like there's sharks in the water and the future's foggy and uncertain and I don't know exactly where I am and which direction I'm going. And it can be easy to give in to fear in moments like that. So here's what we're going to do over the next number of weeks. 
is look at how we can fuel our faith rather than give in to the fear that can be the natural byproduct of a world that has a lot of things happen that are out of our control and can induce fear. And what we're going to look at is the life of somebody named the Apostle Paul. And we're going to jump right into a letter, and he's going to give us some choices that he made. And I think those choices still exist today. Because, yeah, culture and time has changed a lot. But the realities of life in this world and the opportunity for people to make certain choices still exists. So let's jump right into that. Here's the first way to fuel your fear is to become a cynic, to give in to cynicism. But there is a choice we can choose trust. A cynic is somebody who looks at the world and says, nothing's ever going to work out right. Nothing is ever going to go positively for me. Nobody is ever going to treat me the way that they should and on and on and on. But there is this negative spin and view of everything there's an opportunity to choose trust. There's a sign that was put out during the pandemic not that long ago by a theater. It wanted to encourage people, yeah, everything's shut down, but you know what, let's hang in there and there's another day coming. So they decided to put some words on a sign. It's kind of title, life, give me a sign. And they put up, you matter. And then on the other side of that sign, they put up, don't give up. Right? What a great, you know, encouragement that is to people. But here's the problem with what they did. They put it in two columns side by side. And if you read that across, <laughs> you don't matter. Give up. And our perspective will determine a lot about the way that we read the signs that are around us. And I think the Apostle Paul is going to help us understand, you know what, we got a choice. We can go one way or the other. What will our perspective be? He chose trust. Here's how he begins his letter. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. And we may read that and go, well, that's so nice for you, Paul, that it worked out that way, that God comforted you and you had all this compassion in your experience. Did you know that some of us are going through some really hard things? And before we jump to that assumption, can I just give you a little context of what was happening in Paul's life? Some of it in his recent past, some of it in the moments in which he's writing this letter, he has been betrayed by some of the closest people to him. He has been put in jail a couple times. There was a moment in which he was tortured. They tried to stone him to death on one occasion. He's faced rejection. The very people to whom he's writing this letter, and one of the themes that's found in there, is that they're not sure about his authority and whether or not they should give any sort of influence into their lives out of Paul's mouth and out of his heart. And so there's a lot of things that are not going well for Paul. But he writes these words. And there's an opportunity to choose trust even when things are not all going the way that we think they should. I read a definition of faith. I really like it. And I think it applies to what he writes here. Where they said, faith is believing that God is who he says that he is. 
So that even when the circumstances of life aren't happening, it doesn't change who God is. And how easy is it to really assume the heart of God based on our present level of circumstances? If things are good, God, you're good. Things are not so good, God, I'm not so sure that you're so good. But Paul, in the middle of difficulty, says, this is who you are. And I choose to believe that you are who you say that you are. And that what I understand that has been revealed about you is true, no matter what my circumstances might be. The word comfort actually in that verse that you see there is not just kind of a, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling okay in the moment. It's actually a word that means strengthen or encourage. And so it's something that actually gives us energy and gives us movement in a positive direction. And so Paul says right out of the chute, this is who I choose to believe God is. A lot of reasons that he could have given in to cynicism. You know, nothing, you know, is ever going to go completely right for a guy like me. But he chooses to trust. Chooses to believe. Here's another choice. We can fuel our fear with self-focus or we can choose service. And when things are not going well, isn't it easy for the circle to kind of speaking about our life to get really small and all of a sudden it becomes dark and it becomes lonely because the circle has become really small around me, myself, and I. And the Apostle Paul chooses service instead. That word service is found no less than 16 times in this letter. Was that a big deal to him? It was huge. And it helps us understand that what he did with the difficulty that he was going through, he used that as a leverage to serve other people, that there was an opportunity in suffering to actually serve other people in ways that made a powerful impact. Notice how he goes on in his letter. God, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that there's a purpose, there's a reason for it, there is an opportunity in it, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And there is a powerful principle at work here. Sometimes in the counseling arena, it's called the healed helper where somebody who has come through something now reaches back to somebody who's going through that very same thing and helps them to come along and move through that. We've seen that here at Washington Heights in a number of ways. Every Tuesday night, we have something called Celebrate Recovery. And it's recovery from all kinds of things, not just addiction, but interpersonal things, all kinds of things. And there are people on a journey, and many of the leaders in there have found a lot of, you know, movement forward and victory over, and now they reach back and they help other people. And there's a help found in those who have gone through difficulty that can make a difference in the lives of those who are still on the journey. And so Paul uses that as an opportunity. There's a pastor by the name of Rick Warren. And he has a statement he said a long time ago, God never wastes a hurt. And so even the struggles and the difficulty and the suffering that we have, God can redeem that and use that in such powerful and positive ways in the lives of other people. 
Paul goes on, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And this is a picture where, yeah, it's easy to make the circle really small, but the grace and the comfort abounds. The arrows are pointed outward, and now we're going to use that suffering and it's going to pour out of our lives into the lives of other people who are going through difficult things. Suffering and the way somebody journeys through it can speak a language that has more power than any other version of communication. Well, what do you mean? Let me give you an example. Um, There is a scientist by the name of Francis Collins, and I don't know if you know that name. He was the head of the Human Genome Project. That was a massive effort to chart all of the human DNA. There are only 3.1 billion bits of information, and they charted the whole thing, and this guy was heading it up. He was a man of science, committed to that, didn't have any spiritual grounding background, anything like that. But there was a time where he was a doctor, and he was doing his rounds. He was 27 years old, and he was in a hospital, and he encountered a lot of people who were suffering and going through difficult times, and many of them um, included their end-of-life moments. And what happened in those times spoke to him very powerfully. He tells his story in a book called The Language of God, and he shares a number of the encounters that he had with people. People who are followers of Jesus who went through suffering and went through hard times. Here's one quote. If faith was a psychological crutch, it must be a very powerful one. If it was nothing more than a veneer of cultural tradition, why were these people not shaking their fist at God and demanding their friends and family stop all this talk about a loving and benevolent supernatural power, right? He was wondering, why are these people hopeful? Why are they joyful? Why are they staying grounded in their faith when their prayers for healing are not being answered and their lives ebbed away and they wound up losing their life? He goes on to talk about one day when he walks into the room of a mom who's dying of cancer. And he says, doctor, I've told, she says, doctor, I've told you about my faith. What do you believe? And he talks about mumbling out some response like, well, you know, we, we can't really know for sure, you know, what's on the other side and, you know, things like that. Um, but then he goes on to say these words, faced with my willful blindness and arrogance, I began a journey. It was a journey that ultimately led him to become a follower of Jesus. What spoke to him? How people journeyed through suffering and the reality of their faith in those moments. People who chose to believe that God is who he says that he is, come what may. People who continued to serve and to connect those who are around them. Paul goes on, just as, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so all our comfort abounds through Christ into the lives of others. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. What does all that mean? He's talking about what he's been through, what they're going through, and how they're connected to each other. Here's, I think, what it means. Your greatest opportunity to serve may spring from your greatest struggle. 
and the most difficult thing that you're enduring right now and that you're journeying through, that could be your greatest opportunity to serve someone else. A picture of what God does came across um, a website that belongs to Marta Klonowska. And what she does as an artist is a bit unique. She takes what most people consider garbage, shards of broken glass, and she collects them and then turns them into sculptures. These are things that most people, you know, would clean up and throw away. She takes them and she turns them into works of art. And some of the things that she's created, I mean, are stunning in their beauty. You will find no cats um, in this presentation. But there are some unique images there. And I wonder, though, if this can help us understand something. That there's a God who takes the broken parts of you and me and he can make something beautiful out of it. He can turn that into a work of art. And maybe to put it into a principle, here's what we're saying. God repurposes your pain. And it is not lost and it is not meaningless and it is not without redemptive value. Your greatest opportunity to serve someone could well be your greatest struggle. So choose service, come what may. Here's another choice. We can fuel our fear with hiding or we can choose honesty. And maybe another word for honesty here is not just telling the truth, but I'm talking about vulnerability, where we are honest about who we are and what we're dealing with. And again, in appropriate kind of places. Notice what Paul says here next. We do not want you to be uninformed. That's a phrase that he uses six times in this letter. And it is a phrase that specifically means, I'm not going to keep my cards up and close to my chest where nobody else can see them. I'm going to put my cards on the table and people can see exactly what's going on. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the um, province of Asia. Well, what kind of trouble did you encounter? We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Here's one of the guys, well, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament telling people, you know what, there was a time where I thought it was over. And life was going to be done. And all the darkness that comes along with that. And I wonder how many times those kind of things or other things that we don't want people really to know, we keep it close to the vest. But Paul says we can make a choice to put those cards down. One more example from Paul a little bit later in this same letter. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside. That's talking about people. Fears within. You know, what is it like for somebody to say, you know what, I'm really wrestling with this. And how much respect do we gain for people who are willing to share their struggle? Now, again, this is not, you know, when somebody says, hey, how you doing? And then we you know, share every last detail of our life. We're talking about the right context of trusted relationships in appropriate settings, but to put those cards on the table for someone. Max Lucado, pastor and an author, wrote a book entitled, You Will Get Through This. And he writes this, among other things in there, why is it worth the effort to be honest about 
your struggles. And actually, I'm sorry, this is from Rick Warren. He says this, it's emotionally healthy. Secondly, it's spiritually empowering. And third, it is relationally endearing. There's a time and a place to put your cards on the table and to be honest, to be vulnerable, to be real and to share what it is that you're going through. Another choice that we can make, we can fuel our fear with despair or we can choose hope. And now's the time for Max Lucado and his book. You will get through this. We wonder, will this gray sky ever brighten? This load ever lighten? Will we ever exit this pit? Yes, you'll get through this. God gets us through stuff. And now he uses some analogies from the Bible. Through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, through the valley of the shadow of death, through is a favorable word or a favorite word of God's. And if you want an example of that, this is from Isaiah. When you, notice not if you, but when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. What does that mean? Whatever you're going through with God, you will get through. And it may not be as quick as we want, but there's a promise here that God will be with you and that you will get through this. Paul goes on to say these words, indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. The way to translate that is that there was no exit. There was just like a dead end. But this happened, why? That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again on him. We have set our hope and for that, um, he will continue to deliver us. Can I just say this? Whatever you're going through, there is hope for you. And hope is the choice that we can make that God is who he says that he is and that we will get through what we're going through. Another choice, um, final choice, we can fuel our fear with isolation being by ourselves, or we can choose connection. And notice how Paul expresses his connection to people. You know, we were going through all of this, and part of what helps us is your prayers. And then many will give thanks on our behalf because of the gracious favor granted in answer to the prayers of many. These were people that he knew. He asked them to pray for him, and they were praying for one another. But there is this connection and community, and they were not living life spiritually or relationally isolated from one another. Do you have those kind of people in your life? Are you connected? That's a choice. And we say, I don't know, that's a little bit risky. I've been burned. You're right. But I know the guarantee of what's on the other side of not getting connected. And that's a sure thing. And it's not helpful. One of the hopes and dreams we have for everybody who's a part of Washington Heights is that if something happens at 2 a.m. and you need to call somebody, you got somebody. And somebody who'll be there with you and for you. But that's a choice. And there are ways you can invite people to pray for you. And if nothing else, I would encourage you, if you're not already connected to a small group, Get into a small group, which can create that right kind of context in which we can share the reality of the things that we are going through. 
and invite other people to help us by being connected to us. Now, you might say, you know what? That's a lot of choices. There were five of them. So I might suggest this. Choose one. Whether it's this coming week, whether it's maybe in this new year, you know, we talk about resolutions all the time. How about a resolution of a different kind? Not just about the gym, but maybe about a choice that involves building our faith. Could it be choosing trust? Choosing service? Choosing honesty, vulnerability? Choosing hope, believing that God will get me through this? Or choosing connection? There's a tension that exists in this world between the things that we can control and the choices that we can make. Florence Chadwick, by the way, made a choice to get back in the water. She went back out to Catalina Island and began the swim again. And this time, you know what she did? She broke the record for that swim by three hours that was set by some dude. She made a choice. And even after failure, she made a choice. So here's, I think, what's in front of us, right? We can give in to our fears or we can build our faith. But here's the choice that we have, right? The choice is yours. And the choice is mine. We bow your heads together with me as I pray. So God, we recognize that in this broken world of ours, um, things haven't changed all that much. There are opportunities that exist to give in to many of the things that are beyond our control. We're just not that big or powerful. But God, there's also the opportunity to build our faith and trust in you. And God, lead us in that direction, I pray. I pray for all of us this coming year would be a year of building that faith. And so would you work in every heart and life, show us what that best choice is for us to make. And then God, may we experience more of you and what you have for us and more of the opportunities to journey together with our great God. Thank you for your love and your power that is at work. Thank you for the many ways that you have offered to transform these hearts and lives of ours. Help us to know our hope is in you. So we ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.